Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pastor Vince. Right now, I want to read John chapter 18. And for those of you early birds who are going to catch the worm here, catch this. This is really good. It says in John chapter 18, verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And uh, let me go back to verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said this unto them, or said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. Uh, We were reading that this morning, and Patricia immediately said, Boy, you would think, If just him saying, I am, caused them to fall to the ground, they would have known something about the Messiah, about who he was. And you would think today people would recognize the things that are going on in the world today, all over the world today. I had a friend contact us this morning. And as you know, we're going to be attempting to have our friends back on the air with us here in just a little bit. But my sister in the Lord, Joyce, sent this and said, this is from the latest on the front lines in Canada from a friend of the family um, who is a lawyer in Canada and said, this is it. Each trucker got served a paper at the morning meeting with the police. They gave them no option but to leave or they will be using extreme force, rubber bullets, 
tear gas, etc., as well as the LRD, an agonizing ear-piercing noise machine used in combat. So they have sent their children home to safety and are asking for civilians to pack the place so the cops won't go through with their plan. However, about six and a half hours ago, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, spoke at a meeting here. And let me see if I, I'll just kind of, rather than reading it, uh, he has about seven hours ago called for uh, the protest to end. He said now that the, the truckers, this is no longer a peaceful protest, and he is ready to go to war. And uh, they supposedly, the way CNN is reporting it, is that the truckers up there stole a cache of weapons, and that cache of weapons is go- supposedly to help them fight off the federal government. And so someone said yesterday that's probably a false flag event. We don't know what's happening with all that. What we do know is that what is happening in Canada is it's like a a fuse. You know, we always talk about the powder keg that's ready to blow, that the fuse has been lit uh, long ago. And that fuse right now is very, very close to the powder keg blowing in that direction. So are we looking at the potential for a global world war between the federal government and people that have sided with them and with the people of the world who no longer trust their government? Are we seeing something ready to break out in Canada? And then, of course, what's ready to happen here in the United States with another convoy where the truckers from Canada supposedly are going to be joining truckers from the United States and from California to Washington, D.C. We have a lot to learn about these things, and that's why I've invited the men onto the broadcast to help me go through all of this. And I do trust that we're coming through loud and clear. I see that the first gentleman on the air with me today is Brother Don, who was ready to start things off yesterday. And, of course, Brian and Kathy and Pastor Jeff Bass will be joining us very soon. So let me just welcome Don to the program, first of all. And let's say hello. Good morning. God bless you, sir. How are things today? Real good. God bless you, too, Pastor. Good to talk to you. All right. Very good. Thank you for being with us, Don. Yesterday we got uh, kadoodle bopped. We got right off the air. So without further ado, why don't you get into and, and nice and close to the mic, nice and loud so we could hear. Um, talk to us. What's going on? You started yesterday with Russia and Ukraine. Why don't you start right there today? Okay. Or whatever Can you hear me real good now? Can you yeah, hear me I good hear you now? Good. Yes, you're good. Okay. All righty. Okay, we were talking about uh, Ukraine. I was trying to give you a, a history on it. Uh, and I, I guess I'll have to start over again. Um, in order for you to understand what's going on there now, um, there's reports that Russia has withdrawn from its borders uh, of Ukraine. That's not true. They're actually sending more troops in there, and there's fighting right now between the government of Ukraine and what's known as the separate Donbass region of Luhansk and Donetsk. That is really, right now, what this is about. What happened is there was a vote that Luhansk 
and Donetsk asked of the Russian parliament. And what they wanted to do is declare themselves sovereign independent states. Now this is, these two regions, these two areas and the regions of Donbass, right now they're fighting back and forth between the government and both of these areas. I mean, the government is shelling schools and everything else, and it's back and forth. What the government of Ukraine is mad about with these two regions is they want to separate, and they want to declare themselves sovereign independent states to Russia. Now, that's what happened to Crimea uh, a few years ago when they decided they wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to declare themselves sovereign, independent states. And so they submitted that vote to the Russian Duma, and it was honored. As soon as it was honored, that's when Russia moved in and formed a treaty with Crimea. That's what they're going to do. That's what Russia is going to do with the Donbass regions of Luhansk and uh, Donetsk. They're going to form a treaty with them. As soon as they form a treaty with them, because they're now sovereign independent states, Russia will annex them. They'll take them in, and they'll become part of Russia. This is what the Ukraine doesn't want to happen. This is what happened to Crimea, and Crimea is mostly Russian. They want to be Russian. The Donbass region is mostly half Russian. But when they when the Crimea formed this and got away from Russia, all kind of uh, all kind of problems happened in that area because the Ukraine is being taken apart. There's 14 regions in Ukraine that left Russia and formed up with Ukraine. Russia is trying to restore the old Soviet Union by getting these these regions back. They got Crimea first, and that's the only warm water port in that entire region. Where that's why it's so valuable. Now Luhansk and Donetsk, they're real big with coal. It's a big coal region, all very important to whoever holds it. If, like I said, this vote was taken to take back Luhansk and Donetsk just a few days ago, and that's when all the armor and all the military poured in there. They knew it was going to happen. Now, here's the thing. Russia's not going anywhere. They're going to sit there on that border with 150,000 troops facing 130,000 Ukrainians, half of which I don't think are loyal because they're Russian. They're going to sit there until the Ukraine army makes a move on Luhansk and Donetsk to try to block them from leaving the Ukraine, Ukrainian government. And it's already happening. They're already fighting. But it's uh, back and forth, back and forth. The minute that Russia decides or is asked by Luhansk and Donetsk for protection from the Ukrainian army, that's when the invasion is going to start. It will be a defensive action to protect Luhansk and Donetsk. It's very eminent. All they have to do is ask. 
And like I said, they're already shelling back and forth now. When that happens, Russia's going to claim that they're moving in there, not as an invasion, but as a protection for the Donbass regions, to protect them from the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainian army is making some very severe threats against this region. They're saying they're going to come in there and execute everyone. And the Russian soldiers know this. They know this on the front. So they're ready to go in there right now to stop any kind of atrocities. I'm, I'm sure that they will happen. Here's the rub. <clears throat> Russia's going to go in there, and they're going to protect those regions. They're probably going to do like a blitzkrieg kind of a thing. They've already got their army in place to go straight in and protect those, those two, that, the Donbass region. When they do that, Ukrainian army is going to look to NATO for protection. When they do that, NATO's got a choice to make. There's 30 countries in NATO, of one of which we are. The main players are France, America, and the UK. If NATO comes in to protect or beef up the Ukrainian army against the Russian army, uh, Putin has stated emphatically he's immediately going to tactical nuclear weapons. That's going to be his answer. He stated, I can't fight off 30 NATO countries at once. I'm not going to squander my military in there getting chewed apart by NATO. So I'm immediately going to tactical nuclear weapons. So he's going to nuke the Ukrainian army and any NATO country that's close to Russia. Now, here's where we're going to lose all of our troops because we have over 10,000 uh, 82nd Airborne and a mix of others. And matter of fact, we even have Florida National Guard. Now, you believe that? They're stationed right down the Russian border in Poland. They're going to go after Poland because Poland is aggressively assisting this war effort as far as uh, putting NATO troops uh, ready to launch on Russia. So we're going to, they're probably going to nuke our troops right off too. And now you're going to have a world war when it happens. It, it's not going to be limited to just tactical nuclear weapons uh, uh, locally in those regions between Russia and whatever Ukraine has. I know they have small devices too. It's going to, it's going to spread when all these countries lose their troops in this gigantic nuclear war. Now imagine when you pick up the paper one day and find out that we just had 10,000 American boys caught in the middle of this and they got nuked. What are the American people going to do? Well, it's what they always do. They're going to start beating war drums. Yeah, we got to get in there because we lost all of our people. But who lost them? We got no business being any part of that, in my opinion. I don't know how others feel about it. <clears throat> but we're part of NATO, so we're spearheading this entire effort. So when we lose all those boys in there, in a flash, in a brilliant light, what are the American people going to do? Well, they're probably going to do whatever uh, Washington wants them to do, and then you're going to have a uh, you're going to have a nuclear war between Russia and the United States. And guess who's going to join in on that on Russia's side? China. So if um, if ever there was a prophecy that was building 
It's right now between us being attacked with nuclear weapons from China and Russia. That's what's building. Is there anything that can stop it? The only thing that can stop this is if they allow the Donbass region to become part of Russia and restore the old Soviet Union. And all these other 14 regions are going to join right in. They're just watching this. They saw what Crimea did. Crimea has 2.5 million people in it. They went back to Russia. Now, Russia has that warm water port. Russia will protect Crimea. Now, there's all kind of talk about NATO invading Crimea, and they're going to take back Crimea for Ukraine and all that. Well, I don't don't think that's going to happen because uh, immediately there would be a a Russian-Ukrainian war. It could stay local. NATO stays out of it and decides, and these are mostly small countries, if they decide that they don't want to be nuclear and be part of any nuclear conflict and they just back away and stay out of it, let this thing happen the way it would normally happen. If these two if the Donbass region wants to become Russian, want to be independent from uh, Ukraine, so be it. Crimea did it. Uh, and now the Donbass region wants to do it. Let them do it. Let them, that's their business. You know, it's a rush. It's a Russian thing. You know, so and, and half these areas are Russian anyway. NATO doesn't want that to happen because NATO wants inevitably to destroy Russia because Russia does not want to join NATO. They want to be sovereign and. NATO can't handle that. They want to absorb Russia. They want to destroy Russia. Putin knows that. Putin knows this is that he's in a protective mode against NATO. So actually, what this is going to be, it's going to be a Russian war against NATO, if NATO is going to jump in. <clears throat> now, Biden's got anything to say about it? Uh, if he decides that uh, he's just going to do sanctions and all that, and stand back, and he doesn't want a nuclear war, everything will be fine. But see, the thing is, the dirty secret, because this whole thing is, the Pentagon wants nuclear war with Russia. They have for a long time, because for some reason, the Pentagon believes it can win. I don't know what they're thinking, or maybe if they just want, who knows what they're thinking. But if the devil's behind it, which I think it is, it's all about destroying as many people as it can, as he can, through war. <clears throat> so that's the whole thing right there in a nutshell. Okay. So very good. And in our in our next part of the conversation, Don, when we uh, we move, I want to invite Brian and Kathy in, and I want to uh, invite Pastor Jeff in. Again, this is just a relaying of information. Yesterday you started – with a little bit of history of Russia, we want to go back to that because that seemed to be a, a real turning point. Uh, but for right now, let me uh, bring in our friends from Hawaii. Uh, we're talking about NATO forces, a possible war with Russia and NATO forces with Don Huddle. Let me say good morning to Brian and Kathy Gray, all the way from the island of Kauai. Good morning, guys. How are you today? And I know it's early in the morning there. Good morning. Can you hear us? Yeah, we hear you great. Okay, good. Good morning. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah, we get up early every morning anyway, so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No time to waste. 
So um, what we're what we're wanting to accomplish is just I thought you two, brother Don, Pastor Jeff, uh, particularly uh, to get some information out, and I just want to turn it over to you. Uh, things that the Lord has been showing you, things that you think people need to be informed about uh, to further, you know, equip them and to remind them the days that we are living in, that these are very, very critical days, quite frankly. They're, it's, you know, regardless of what people are doing, um, there's something we're picking up by the Spirit all around us. So, uh, Brian and Kathy, without further ado, uh, good morning to you and speak into this moment. Yeah, I am. I, um, I... I 100% agree with everything that Don is saying there. And um, just to add in, I I saw a headline this morning. I think it was in uh, RT, uh, Russia today, that um, the Ukrainians are shelling the Donbass region right now. So based on what Don is saying, that that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there was um, a few years ago, there was a a Ukrainian crisis and where uh, there was basically the civil war that was breaking out there between the ethnic Russians and the Ukrainians there and the precipitating factor for that in in my opinion seemed to be it was when the European Union wanted to bring Ukraine under its wings which would mean that that would mean just like what the what the EU does is they they bring these countries in and then those countries assume the debt (laughs) that, that the EU is incurring and the EU of course is kind of is the template for the new world order and you know the UN will be a part of that and whatnot, but but uh, the the uh, the ethnic I mean the ethnic Russians wanted no part of of the EU and, and particularly because of the debt and because uh, it would impoverish everybody in the nation even more. So um, and then you know the question is is why would the Pentagon want uh, a nuclear war with uh, with Russia and uh, I think we need to expand our vision farther into the globalists, um, meaning, you know, who the who the specific globalists are at the top of the, the food chain there of the hierarchy or whatever. It's we don't know. So we just use this general term globalist. And there's a lady, um, Catherine Austin Fitz, who is a, a, a really, really knowledgeable financial person that I followed for years that she was part of the Bush administration and. Um, the original Bush administration, and she just calls it Mr. Global for lack of a better term, because we don't know exactly who the who the top key players are. We just see sort of the cardboard cutouts that they present in front of us to to hate, you know, the George Soroses and the Bill Gates and all that. But um, but you know, the, there's been a plan for for global domination for 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 many decades now, and one of the the biggest impediments to that is is Russia. And they, you know, every single one of these wars that we've had for the last 20 or 30 years or even beyond that has been to anyone that's gotten in the way of the, uh, the U.S. dollar and or uh, U.S. global domination. And so Russia, Russia is um, they're not. I mean, they're not better than than the globalists, but they're they want their own. They want to be in control of the entire global order, and so they they need to be taken out. So I think that's what's really driving it. If we end up in a nuclear war, it's going to be because of that. And these guys are crazy. They just don't. They're 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 megalomaniacs. They're insane. It's like they're going to destroy the entire, <laughs> you know, probably a third of the population, like the Bible says. So. It's definitely, we're definitely at a tipping point here. And then about the, uh, 
the uh, the Canadian truckers. Uh, I, I was going to mention yesterday, but we didn't get on. But there was a uh, a former Royal Canadian Police sniper who um, was actually with the the truckers, and he was talking about um, a major weapons heist. Uh, weapons were stolen. And he believed that they were going to be used to frame the truckers. And then I looked this morning and there's news in Ottawa about, about weapons being found. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just the same old game plan over and over and over again. They're either, they're they're just constantly framing people for, you know, just like what they did with the January 6th thing. You know, the only people that died were were they died of natural causes and they were women one was beaten to death and one was was shot by a capitol police officer and so any kind of anything they do if we if 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 um you know if the patriots or the different people that are opposing the globalist order uh, do anything to stand up they if they don't do commit acts of violence themselves and they get framed for acts of violence and and for things they didn't do and I have to say that the only thing that I can compare it to in my own experiences is, you know, a quarter decade ago, I mean, not a quarter decade, a quarter century ago when I was in prison before I came to really came to Christ. And um, it's, it's, it's living like that. If you're in prison and you're going to make a change and you're going to actually stand up and do the right thing and stand for righteousness in any form, well, then you better watch your back 24 seven. And, and I did when I was there. And so I lived in a way where, where every single time I came back to my, the living area, my cube area, cell area, my bunk, I had to shake it down and I had to look and see because they would stash contraband, you know, under my mattress and, and whatnot. And, um, trying to set me up to send me away to someplace else, you know? And so it's just, we've got to really be led by the Holy spirit. We've got to really be wise. Amen. And uh, just before we turn this over to Kathy for a moment to get her thoughts, um, it sounds like when I would listen to six hours, seven hours ago, uh, Justin Trudeau, the prime minister of Canada, stood before the news uh, cameras and uh, he said, and I listened to him say it, uh, this is no longer a peaceful protest. Now, I don't know what they're doing any differently. Uh, They started using the same kind of playbook that January 6th, when you heard all the rhetoric against the you know, the mob and the insurrection, and you heard all these terms. Um, Now Justin Trudeau is using the same thing about this not being a peaceful protest. And contrary to that, in 2020, when buildings were on fire and rioting was happening and people were being shot and killed and beat up and uh, businesses destroyed, they said it's a rather peaceful protest. And so it's a very bizarre playbook, and it's coming down from the global elite, like you're saying, uh, Kathy, what are your thoughts about what you uh, are hearing from the Lord about this moment we're in? Well, I think um, we're watching it all play out, and um, we see the signs of the season, and whether, you know, it happens next week or, you know, the events that we're talking about, if they happen fast or we're going to have another reprieve, I think we still need to prepare our hearts and um, being here during it. And we just need to be ready, regardless of the timeline. And to me, it looks like it's going to happen pretty fast in my lifetime, I see. And um, we're going to be going through this tribulation. But I think we need to um, prepare our hearts and our, our, our families for what is coming. And I just saw this morning a, um, a meme on 
uh, actually it was an ad, a photograph of a woman with her toddler standing next to her, and she has a baby that she's breastfeeding sitting on a bench, and the ad reads, future or climate killer? And that is in, um, I'm, I think it's in German. I'm not sure which language, but it's definitely a European ad. And it looks like it's about a three-foot ad, like in an airport or something. It's just, it's just amazing. It just knocked me off my chair. So these people are, you know, they have no consideration for life. We are, we are the problem on this earth. As human beings are the problem. So they're telling us. So they, they mm. can do anything. They can do anything they want. I can. The level of evil, you know. Absolutely. And I concur that uh, it's accelerating and that it is coming fast and the potential that within weeks uh, that the United States could be in a full-blown type of, uh, you know, protest and uh, things could get pretty rowdy here. And we're watching it happen in Canada. Uh, Let me take our next call coming in from Pastor Jeff Bass. Uh, and then we're going to just keep kind of going around the horn here. Uh, let me say good morning, first of all. Where did he go? There he is. Where did you go, Pastor Jeff? I just saw him right there. There he is, hands up in the air. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. How are you today, sir? And how's it going? Hey, good morning, Pastor Vincent and everyone else on the line. I hope you're having a great day. Morning. We are. We are. Hey. And uh, we're looking forward to what uh, you're going to be sharing right now. And then we're going to jump back to Don and uh, just keep getting as much information out so people that are listening can take the information <clears throat> with a spirit of revelation and gain an interpretation of what time it is in the economy of God, because things are uh, going rather quickly. So, Pastor Jeff Bass, what do you have to share with the body today? Well, I I basically sent you an article, I think it was yesterday, from uh, Dave Hodges, and basically he was talking about um, – the comparison between uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and Biden, and I think the article was uh, subtitled Biden and, Tr- and Trudeau Cornered. And uh, the gist of it was that he was saying, watch what's going on with you know with the trucker situation. It could possibly, of course, come here to America, uh, and that the globalists are pretty much, um, you know, pressuring them to do what they're doing, what at least what Trudeau is doing, and, and uh, for Biden to do the same thing. But he went on to say that the globalists have a, have a twofold, in his opinion, a twofold strategy, a short term and a long term, and that one of the options was was nuclear war, which, which you guys have been talking about, and the other one was releasing a worldwide pathogen, you know, to – to cause everybody to, it would be so, so devastating that, you know, no one would question it. Similar to the, to the, um, um, uh, uh, coronavirus where everybody was, you know, uh, they, 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 they built it up so much with the mainstream media and everything. People kind of accepted it. You know, they didn't really question it and so forth. So, um, that's what he was saying and uh, the last part in, in Hodges' article was about he had been having dreams about assassinations. And, of course, you and I know, Pastor Vincent, I, I told you, I think this was a, over a year ago, I had had, I had, had those, those type of dreams. And uh, Hodges was saying that 
his assassination dream, he believes, was that that may happen, but it would be designed to promote a regime change as part of a coup, so forth. So that's pretty much what I have right now. All right, so that's your round one there. You know, it's so funny you brought that up last night going to bed. It was the strangest thing in the world. I just kind of heard this little download into my spirit that Joe Biden is going to die. Um, I mean, it wasn't in the sense we're all going to die. It was in the sense that he's going to die, and it's going to happen rather quickly, uh, whatever that means between, you know, who knows, now in August, now in July. Only God knows what that timing is. But uh, it it was just a simple download. He's going to die, and I think they've used him, uh, and they're going to continue to use him to forward their plans. And the unfortunate reality about this man is whatever uh, was left of him, uh, was somewhat of a shell, and they did, Barack Obama did get his ear, just like he wanted to. He wanted to have somebody up there where he could be in the basement and tell what uh, he needed to be said. So, um, you know, to watch this is uh, rather sad to see any human being be used that way, but this is on a global level. Uh, so we, everybody's open to mic right now. So, Don, let's go back to you. Uh, let's take it to the next step here, the next level. Uh, what else are, should people be listening to, paying attention to, and understanding? Well, I think the next 48 hours in Canada are going to be critical because the the Red Cross in Canada is trying to collect as many freeze-dried meals as they can find. They're calling up suppliers, and they they won't tell them why, but they want all the MREs they can find, and they say the next 48 hours is going to be critical. Uh, I don't know what that means, but I do know that something big is going to happen in Canada. Uh, decisively within the next 48 hours. As as far as uh, <clears throat> the Ukraine, what Putin wants, the only thing he wants, is he wants to be safe. The Ukraine is what is called an inspiring NATO member. They want to join NATO. And Putin says, no, can't do that because if that happens, Ukraine is going to allow the United States to put missiles in the Ukraine that have a five-minute flight time from Ukraine to Moscow, and plus all the, their missile defense systems. So they have will have no protection against a nuclear attack. Uh, if it if it uh, starts off where those missiles are fired first, they'll be taken out. That's all they're asking, and that's what they're mostly afraid of. Uh, what it's turned into now, I don't know. You may have gotten that bear out of his cave and poked him a little bit too much because he might just be going through it, going for it right now, uh, and I really believe he's going to move to protect the Donbass region. I think that's why he hasn't withdrawn, and he's just waiting for the Ukrainian army to go too far uh, by going after the Donbass regions by shelling them and firing across the border. Or there's another thing, too. There's some really bad actors in there right now. They've got a Muslim army in there. They're known as uh, flesh eaters. That's the name they call them. And they're there working for the Ukrainian army. And also, believe it or not, once again, you've got American mercs in there uh, 
Blackwater's in there. Uh, they changed their name now to uh, Academy. Uh, what What do you think they're doing in there? <laughs> so what it looks like, you're going to have a gigantic false flag somehow across that border. Uh, uh, yeah, and I think the Ukrainian army is going to start it. They're going to do it uh, probably just hours away. And Russia is going to respond accordingly because the Donbass region is going to ask for protection from Russia. I think that's what's in the cards. I think they're going to go for it. The only question is, is what is NATO going to do when Putin pushes in to the Ukraine to to, uh, protect Crimea, Donetsk, and Luhansk? What are they going to do? And if what they say they're going to do which is just go to war. That's going to start it. And if it's a false flag, it's it's all up the grabs. You're not going to, no one's going to say, well, you did this and we did that, because it's just going to happen real quick. And it's going to be basically a German uh, blitzkrieg straight into those areas that Putin wants to protect. Um, and that's in a controlled situation. So, I would say uh, Dmitry Duderman's prophecies of the United States being nuked by China and Russian submarines, I would say right now it's becoming more real by the day. And the problem with the uh, nuclear conflict, it could, uh, like uh, I saw a film last night of two tactical nuclear weapons going off in Ukraine. Now, no one's saying anything. They're like small mushroom clouds with gigantic flashes on the ground right next to each other. Someone set those off. And that's on film. So what exactly is going on in there right now? You don't really know. Uh, I know that uh, we've uh, we've, uh, had our embassy staff to be told to go home out of Kiev and get out now. So the the degree of fighting right now, I don't know. They could already be fighting with tactical nuclear weapons. But no one's saying anything. See, it's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one reports it, how do you know that it fell? That's the kind of thing that's going on right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So like I say, it's it's a waiting. uh, It's all waiting right now. But one thing's for sure, uh, there's a lot of heavy stuff going down. In that part of the world, and it looks like in Canada now. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, Canada's going to be very interesting, and it's interesting you brought up um, Dimitri Dudeman because earlier when the conversation was going on, uh, I was remembering that it would all start with an internal struggle between the blacks and the whites, according to what he said, and then the government would be so involved in taking care of their internal problems, which could be this protest that's coming up if it ever does get off the ground, uh, and now with this theater uh, of war going on over in uh, in the European continent, um, it, it could become exactly that. It is accelerating. Um, another thing that's accelerating that's uh, very interesting, Brian and Kathy, is, um, you know, on the one side we have the theater of war. The world is a stage. The stage is being set. End-time Bible prophecy, uh, we're hearing it just if, if people are listening to what's being said, it's flourishing right now, end-time Bible prophecy. And we could be seeing, you know, trumpets released. We could be seeing all kinds of events. 
that will accelerate this next level of intensity to bring us into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. And on the other side of this moment of, of, of war and, and protest, we have a rise of technological uh, advancements. We have uh, the Internet 3.0 coming online. We have 5G, 6G towers. And I don't know if you'd like to speak into that or not or anything else that's in your hearts, but Brian and Kathy, uh, share with us. Well, yeah, we we definitely are, are moving in the direction of the tribulation. And, you know, with all these with all these conflicts that are starting to play out on the stage, you know, I, I'm trying, I keep in mind that the, the, the last three and a half years, the real tribulation, the worst that the world has ever seen will begin when the antichrist sets up the abomination of desolation in, in Israel. And, you know, and what will precede that will be the, the, the reinstitution of the daily sacrifice on the temple Mount. Some people say that there has to be a temple, but then, but then there are people that are saying that, well, it doesn't necessarily need to actually be a temple because the Sanhedrin in Israel has a portable altar ready to go. And so that's the, that's the canary in the coal mine for the actual kickoff of the 1260-day, 42-month, uh, three-and-a-half-year tribulation that we read about in Daniel and Matthew 24 and, and in, in Revelations 13. But, um, you know, but there is, there is the financial aspect. We've got all these conflicts that, that I'm going to hypothesize and say we're going to have, like, tremendous conflict in the world, and then there's going to be – a hero that's going to come on the scene and that's going to be the antichrist. It's going to be the person that like, that seems to put a stop to everything and you, you'll hear peace, peace, and then there will be no peace, you know? And, and when after and that's when the tribulation will kick off. But um, in terms of, you know, the technological advances and things, it's um yeah, it's, it's pretty radical. And what's really interesting about, all these things with the web 3.0 and, and with, uh, you know, talking about six gen, the Genesis six uh, of the internet coming out and, uh, and especially cryptocurrency because, because I have a a lot of Christian friends that are like leaders in, in major organizations, missions, organizations, and things like that, that are, that are really excited about Bitcoin. And I don't know if you're paying attention to what, what the president of El Salvador is doing, but he just made, a few, I don't know, maybe, maybe about almost a year ago, he made Bitcoin legal tender in El Salvador and El Salvador and Bitcoin is being used in El Salvador for missions actually to improve the life of people um, in, in there's a, a project called Bitcoin beach in El Salvador. And then there's a similar project in, in, uh, in Guatemala where, and it's really led headed up by Christians who are, are looking to do humanitarian work with it. And so the thing that's good about the, the Web 3.0 and the, in cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin and, and other things, is that is the decentralization of control. And there's no, you know, right now we have a hierarchy. We have the, the globalist, Mr. Global, for lack of a better term, that is that controls everything from a top down type of thing. But with the blockchain, it's the more people that join the blockchain, the more people that get involved with Web 3.0 and, and cryptocurrency and whatnot are the, the more decentralized it becomes and the less um, it's going to be possible for any any hierarchical system to impose its will on a people. And it would be what it would what it would result in, according to their plans, is actual true democracy, because it's it's 
nothing will happen except the way the blockchain directs it. And the, and the blockchain is determined by the people that get involved in it. So I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but, but uh, I mean, a blockchain, the simplest way to understand blockchain is, you know, whatever it is I want to do when I participate, if I get into, to buy into Bitcoin, then I'm buying into the blockchain. And, and so I'm a, I become a part of that blockchain and the more people that get involved in it, the more, the, the more complicated it becomes and, and the bigger it becomes. So you've got that whole school of thought going on, but then you've got the whole, the fact that, that, that all governments need to do is they have the guns, they have the power. And like Joe Biden said, you might have rifles, but we have, you don't have F-15s. And so if the governments come in like they're trying to do, or they're looking for a pathway into it, especially the central banks, you know, we're talking about a, the implementation of a digital currency where, where all banking would be centralized within the Federal Reserve and all the, all the private retail banks would just go out of business and everybody would have a Federal Reserve account. And, you know, their justification is that it'd be much easier to, to remit payments during disasters and lockdowns and things like that. And so that's one of their selling points. But then you'd have total hierarchical control of a blockchain system because a digital dollar would be a blockchain based just like uh just like a cryptocurrency and so we're coming down to the wire with with this stuff with with finance and technology where the globalists are going to have to find a way to exert complete total control over it because if it goes over to the people the way the way it's going in el salvador then there's nothing they'll be able to do the, their power will be removed from them and, and way back during, um, after, after the Battle of Waterloo, it was, uh, I think it was Mayor Rothschild who said, I don't care what country, just to paraphrase what he said, I don't care about a country who's in power, who makes its laws. If I control the currency, I control everything. And so that's one thing to really, really pay attention to. And so we're just kind of, I, the way I see it, we're at a tipping point on so many fronts where where these globalist powers, Mr. Global has got to gain control or, or he's going to lose, he's going to lose complete total control of everything. And, and so nuclear war right now, I, I, I mean, the COVID narrative is like more and more people are waking up to it and it's just like, they're not falling for it anymore. There, we have so many people that we know that have, have taken the, uh, the vacation quote unquote, for lack of a better term, uh, <laughs> And, and they're regretting, they're regretting um, having taken the shot, you know, and, and, and because they're having all kinds of health problems and things like that. We have people that were coerced into taking it without losing their job or, or face losing their job. And they are, uh, you know, they're angry because they had to do it and they're facing health problems. And so a lot of things are unraveling, you know, with what they tried to do during the lockdowns. And so they've got to do something, you know, either, either these people, the truckers and, and, and people protesting whatnot across the world, the vaccine mandates and stuff, it's um, either it's going to work and there's going to be this, this incredible restoration of, of the previous norm and everything's going to get better and all the corruption is going to get wiped out or, or they've got to do something really, really radical that just makes everybody forget all this other stuff. And boy, I'll tell you, a, a, a world war, it, historically speaking, world war is what they've done every single time whenever they're losing control of something. So I, yeah. Amen. Kathy, any comments before we move forward? Excellent. Yeah. 
Not right now. Not right now. Good. All right. So, uh, Pastor Jeff Bass, uh, let's go back to you for a moment. Um, you know, that Bitcoin, by the way, that chain, that blockchain, uh, during the Great Tribulation, I don't think that will exist because you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. So somebody's going to control the financial um, markets and the way things are done. And I think you, you mentioned that, uh, Brian. So, Pastor Jeff, uh, what do you have uh, to inform? What else do we need to well, be aware I just of? To pick, I, I just wanted to piggyback on what Brian was saying about this, you know, the blockchain. I don't – well, and also he was saying that when he said the cashless, cashless society um, – I came across this article, I think it was a couple of days ago, uh, Wingstop. I don't know if you guys have those those restaurants there or where, wherever you are or are you familiar with them, but Wingstop just recently unveiled what it describes as a restaurant of the future, the article says, which has no dining area and doesn't accept cash. And I don't know if you guys remember when the COVID first started, I know Chick-fil-A uh, was one of the uh, restaurants that said, we're not taking cash and stuff. So, uh, again, I, I see more and more restaurants are moving away to the cashless society so they can really, to me, what, what he says, you know, to implement the next plan of the globalist, you know, um, this uh, Wingstop thing, uh, the, uh, the headquarters is in Dallas, and they're having something called, they, they, they have one restaurant there that they're kind of experimenting with this, what they call ghost kitchen called the ghost kitchen 2.0 where they said that they're not going to have any more sit down they're eliminating the dining uh and the only way you can pay uh, you can walk in and purchase but uh they just dis- they discovered that Wingstop says delivery and carry out now account for almost all orders before the pandemic this figure was around 80 percent one of their executives said so they're they're experimenting with um, new ways of uh, capitalizing on you, you know you come in and you order but you can't sit down so they're you know they're saying that saves space uh, rental space that they're going to have less employees but the key that I took from that was the cashless you know again is control and and programming and people say well that's okay but I see it as they're just trying to move us closer to the digital wallet and so forth that's how I see it. Interesting. Okay, so um, again, we're doing this today because I, I just really believe Lord God Almighty, our Father, wants to get information to people um, as much as we possibly can so that they can look through and weigh through this information uh, through the biblical lens, through the sieve of, of biblical prophecy, Bible prophecy, and come up with a reality of what time it really is and what we're picking up in the spirit, what we're feeling, if you will, I'm not talking about emotional feelings, but what we're discerning is that the world has changed. Everybody I talk to, I I just go, man, this is not the same world. We are living something is transpositioning and it's happening like a, like a, a secret migration, if you will. Like the thought of man has migrated, has shifted, changed into something it never was before the world around us, the atmosphere, the environment, the conversation, the narrative. Um, it is such a different world, and it seems to have happened. Uh, and there was a big event called the, you know, the pandemic. Uh, that was the impetus, if you will, uh, to allow for this transpositioning and the implementation of their towers and all the things that we were talking about. Um, and I think it's going to get even more different now. And I think that people 
are beginning to kind of black out. They don't want to go in this direction. There's a resistance, and yet here it comes. There's more coming. So the more information that we can pick up of what's going on in this world and then look at it through a biblical lens and come up with interpretation so that we can prepare is essential. So uh, back to you, Brother Don. Uh, Let's go to the third level here, third round, ding, ding. What else do we have to look at? Well, let's look at uh, let's look at COVID. Let's let's look at the vaccine. Um, <laughs> Here's what we get Fifty percent of the American people realistically have been murdered by the new world order. Their immune system is gone with that clot shot. Uh, there's evidence everywhere. I know people that are sick too. Uh, I know, for instance, there's people around here that died. One 19-year-old, 19-year-old cheerleader died like within a day after she took the shot. Uh, I was in on doing that. I worked in a hospital. I saw it. And the funny thing about that is I talked to about yeah, probably 12 guys my age because uh, I was security at the time, and they'd walk up to me, where's the shock clinic and all that? And I would sit and talk to them and try to reason with them. Not one of them would listen. It's like a spirit just overtook them. And I say, listen, this is experimental. You even have to sign a waiver. If anything happens, it's your fault. Walk away. Don't do it. And they wouldn't listen. And that's when I realized that... Uh, the American people, it's like they're deluded. They have some type of spirit on them where they're just willing to obey. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I never saw Americans be like this before. Maybe they were. I just didn't, I just didn't notice. But one thing's for sure, the people that took that shot, even one, uh, they are going to die of something called prion disease. That's what that spike protein is. It creates micro blood clots in the heart, in the brain, and it takes destroys their immune system. So uh, what's prion disease? I hate to tell you, that's AIDS. They're going to die of AIDS. And what's interesting is uh, Fauci was a big AIDS researcher, <laughs> and he's the one that brought that stuff in here. These guys know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It was their objective to kill as many American people as they could, uh, it's kind of comical they killed a lot of their own because a lot of people that wanted to trust them uh, and refused to exercise any common sense is a lot of them involved in, in politics. So anyway, uh, like I said, half the American people are doomed. Uh, the other half, the smarter half, I like to think, uh, they're going to have to fight uh, the rest of the new world order, whatever comes their way. And what's in the cards now, uh, man, it's going to be mass chaos in this country. And for one thing, uh, this was already mentioned, the rage that's going to happen with people when they realize that they were murdered by their own government and that they're going to die a slow death, it's going to be horrendous. That's going to rip society apart in this country, maybe around the world, right there. And I know the hospital that I got fired from because I wouldn't take the shot. <clears throat> right before I got fired, in the hospital, there's about 150 fire extinguisher boxes. It's a fairly good uh, big hospital. 
where the biggest fear in the hospital is fire. And so there's fire extinguisher boxes all over the place. We could reach in and grab a fire extinguisher. In some place you can grab that and a hose. And overnight, there appeared uh, blood clotting, uh, tourniquets, and uh, pressure bandages placed inside those boxes with the fire extinguishers. And on the outside of the fire extinguisher box, it said, stop the bleed. And they were put in every fire extinguisher box in the hospital. Wow. And they never even told security. Now, just think about that. Why is every section of the hospital concerned about getting shot? If you're in an office, if you're in the ER, if you're in the maintenance, wherever you're at, you got to be concerned about getting being shot and stopping yourself from bleeding to death. And then it dawned on me. And I was talking to my boss. I said, I said, uh, why, why did they do that? What are they afraid of? Active shooters? But they've never been concerned about them to any degree like this. To where it's like they're going to be everywhere. And then it dawned on me. These are people that are going to come in so angry that the, the medical community, instead of protecting them, actually helped to kill them. And they're dying. And these people are going to come in and they're just going to start killing people in the hospital. And I know that's why. And right after that, after they did that, the fire, fire department came in and said, no, you can't. You can't put anything inside a fire box other than a fire extinguisher. So they took it all out. But I saw the fear. The medical community, the people in charge of this, uh, higher-ups, they did this for money and compliance with the federal government. That's what the federal government wanted to do. So they said, well, okay, we'll do it, you know. And for every body that went into a body bag, and I know because I put probably 40, 50 bodies into the morgue, everybody, if it died from even symptomatic COVID, the federal government would give the hospital $50,000. So if there was a uh, orange tag on the outside of that body saying it was a biohazard, bam, federal government gave them $50,000. And I thought, these can't, people can't they'll all be dying of COVID, and they weren't. Because I talked to the field director, I said, how come uh, no one's, uh, uh, this is like last year, right before I lost my job. I says, uh, how come uh, there's more, hardly anyone dying in the hospital from COVID right now? And they says, well, they're dying like crazy in, in the uh, old folks' homes. I said, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the hospital. How come they're not putting any bodies in the coolers now? Uh, hardly any, and before it was like maybe three, four days, you know, back when it was really warm. He says, well, the family started testing the bodies for COVID. I said, are you kidding me? So they found out they didn't have COVID. He goes, yeah, so the, the hospital knocked that off. They're not, they're not doing that anymore. And I went, then I saw, the, I saw the corruption there. I saw how evil and wicked it is. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it's still going on. And like I said, half the American people, they're doomed. What are they going to do? And now they're giving it to the kids. They're trying to make the kids take it. They want to kill as many Americans as they can, black, white, whatever. They want Americans gone, out of this country gone or so weak they can't fight. So what does that mean? When these people are coming in here, they're going to take this country. It's just that simple. And China's one of them. China, they call the United States the beautiful land. They want it. 
And the closest country that they can get, that they can grab, where they can feed their masses of people. So what's this about? It's always about one thing. With man, it's called empire. It's about empire. In whatever country it is, it's about man establishing his empire and expanding it. But we're about that. Russia's about that. It's all about that. And you have to understand that. If you can understand why they're doing what they're doing, it's about money, power, and all these satanic things. That's all it's about. And man doing the will of the devil. And man doing the will of the devil. Uh, Don, you know, we're, we're talking right now. There's so much deception in the world today. And, again, I want to add that into the, the mix of what we're talking about because when Jesus told us about what would be happening in the end of time, he did say that there would be great deception. He did say that people would be you know, running to and fro looking for an answer. He said technology would be exploding. Uh, he said people would be traveling all over the world. We know that we're a generation that Israel has become a nation after 1900 and some odd years of being scattered. Again, Bible prophecy being fulfilled in our generation like never before in the history of the world. And we're, we're watching the deception. We're seeing the, uh, the pestilence. We're seeing the earthquakes, the natural disasters around the world. We're seeing the speed up of evil men waxing worse and worse. And uh, we're, we're witnessing the word of God uh, is, being, is a reproach now in our society. People don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about the Holy Spirit. And if they do, the demonic is so strong in them that just the mention of Jesus, it sends a flurry because the enemy is really... Uh, established himself in the lives of so many people. Uh, Brian and Kathy, right now, uh, you know, from a biblical point of view with all this stuff going on in the world and more to share, um, you know, have at it. What else, what else is taking place? Well, I think, I think we need to really understand what, what deception looks like in the context of, of what are the things that we're seeing today. You know, Jesus he, you know, listed everything in Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse of all the things that we are going to face, but we shouldn't be disturbed or upset by them, right? And wars and rumors of wars are one of those things, you know? And um, and so I was kind of trying to put this in, in the comments yesterday after we got disconnected, but it, it didn't work out too well. But, you know, it's... it's, it's um. I think God sometimes gives me parables out of my own life to, 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 to uh, kind of illustrate how things work in the world, you know, and, and back in, uh, back in 1988, I was in coming towards the end of my time in the Marine Corps. And there was a, I don't know if people might remember, there was a pretty big uproar where we thought everybody in the nation thought that we were about to invade Nicaragua with Manuel Ortega, Daniel Ortega, I'm sorry. And, uh, and, um, with the Honduran army and there were protests in the streets and no more Vietnams and all kinds of just a big uproar against Ronald Reagan at the time, I think. And, and, um, and uh, meanwhile, we were on our way to go invade Panama and nobody knew anything about that. And it was a, it was a movement uh, kind of like what we see the Russians doing on the border of Ukraine. And so, we didn't invade Panama in 1988. We invaded Panama the following about a year later, but um, no one ever knew about that. And there was actually, now this, 
we had a uh, we had a, a disgruntled second lieutenant who was in a, in a communications trailer, a teletype communications trailer with a top secret clearance, and we were standing outside, and he came out and he was he was ripping mad, and he started telling us about the fact that uh, that um, uh, uh, an army sergeant had um, uh, been killed down there, and one story was that he got was squashed by a by a uh, bulldozer or something like that by accident. And then another story was that they were actually uh, got into a fight with Panamanian forces and Cuban forces. And that the sergeant who was probably one of the best sergeants in, in, in our regiment, um, he had, he had brought his, uh, he'd come in from the rear of the perimeter and not, not known the password and he'd been killed by friendly fire. And his, and the story was that he'd actually been killed by Panamanian defense forces. Now that sounds like something you'd get pretty upset about. And then the American public would, they, they heard it was just a training accident that caused him to die. But, you know, the whole entire thing was enveloped in deception. So, you know, later on I started thinking like, okay, well, we knew that we, we know that it was just a training exercise on the Honduran border, Honduran Nicaraguan border where the people were protesting and there was no intention of ever going in probably and then nobody knew anything about the Panamanian invasion. And so the question, too, also was, was you know, when this second lieutenant came out, was that, was he actually a disgruntled second lieutenant telling us about all this horrible deception that was taking place? Or was it a test to see, because they knew they were going to invade maybe a year later to see who they could trust and if there were any weak links within, within the troops, you know? And so the bottom line is, is there's so many possibilities of what could have been happening that we didn't know what was going to happen until it actually happened. And then the other thing that, that I, I think that we need to be aware of is like taking what happens with in real warfare and putting it into the context of spiritual warfare, meaning that, you know, when if, if there's an enemy position and, and, you're go, and your troops are going to attack it, they usually send out reconnaissance guys and part of what one of the things that reconnaissance platoons do is they'll go and, and to probe uh, the enemy to try to find weak points and whatnot they'll do just kind of like harassing fire so they'll come into one side of the perimeter or whatever and they'll fire a few shots and then draw the enemy fire and they get to figure out what's what's there and what's not there and but at the same time it also wears down the enemy because it's they're sitting there in a defensive position and the defensive position is probably the worst most stressful thing that you can be in because you're just sitting there waiting wondering when it's going to come and what direction it's going to come from and so they just harass and and wear people down and and make people tired and then also after a while you just sort of like become apathetic you know and um and I kind of wonder if that's a lot of what's taking place right now with the rumors of war. You know, we're, we're on edge. Everything we see in the news, is this it? Is this it? Is what's going to happen? Where, where is this going to go? And, you know, as watchmen, we just we hopefully don't get sucked in and, and get enmeshed in it all. We're just looking at it and, and, and saying, OK, we need to be aware. This is where it could be coming from. You know, how do we respond? But I think a lot of people listening to this need to know that it's it's really important not to get enmeshed in these issues that we're in because it's going it's going to happen like kathy said we know it's going to happen and so what we need to be doing i think is really looking at okay what is really important and you know and if you know what if, here i see every single house wasting money why sorry go because ahead there's a go brand ahead, Brian. 
Go ahead. I got it. I got okay. stuff. <laughs> and um, we need to we need to know. For, for instance, we need to know what hill we're going to die on because we're going to be presented with a lot of a lot of different hills, a lot of different problems, a lot of different issues that get you know get our our proverbial feathers ruffled some more than others. But you know, if it is going to come down to Revelations 12:11, where they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto death, you know, where, what is that hill that we're willing to die on? You know, and I'm, I'm personally not willing to die, you know, for what I see for a country that's nation that's murdered, you know, 60 million to 90 million babies. I forgot what, what the actual count is now that completely supports, you know, transgenderism and, and, and everything, every sin for which, which Israel was judged in Jeremiah's Isaiah and all the other prophets. And, and so, but I am willing to give my life for my savior. I will not deny Jesus Christ. And we need to really, really clarify in our minds. I mean, hopefully like, you know, I, I would prefer, you know, to be, <laughs> to be uh, raptured out beforehand. I don't believe that's going to happen. I would also prefer to be uh, numbered among the ones that are preserved with a woman in the wilderness. You know, I don't know if that's, if that's going to happen. And so with that in mind, I really need to know like, okay, what's the line? What's the line I will not cross? What is it that I'm really, really going to stand for? And what is the, what is it that, that you're not going to get me to do or, or, or cause me to submit to and without, and you're going to have to take my life to do it because, you know, and, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, like just take the truckers for instance, you know, it's like, gosh, I'm like looking at their videos. I'm following their, their live feeds on telegram and God bless them. You know, I mean, there's some of the, there's some of the best people that we have in this nation and, and my heart goes out and my prayers go out to them. But, you know, I know for certain that I am not called right now to get into any kind of any kind of political protest or any kind of, uh, you know, peaceful demonstrations or anything else like that. I'm, I know that I am personally called back to the body of Christ to speak to the body of Christ about Christ and about what's coming. And so I need to, like, really keep that in mind. But that doesn't mean that other people aren't called to do things. And we need to be in a place where we we are his sheep and we hear his voice so clearly in his direction that, 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 you know, we all have a day appointed day to be born and an appointed day to die. And I want to make sure as much as it is up to my, up to me that I am walking in obedience and doing what he has for me to do in my life and, and, and being aware, but not getting drawn into the drama. You know, that's incredible uh, narrative and conversation. In fact, uh, what I'm going to do right now, I don't normally do. I don't listen to this stuff anymore. It's way gone, but I just can't let it go that there was a song written many, many years ago by a particular group, and it had a message, and it kind of sounds like exactly what was just being said about deception. And I want to just take 60 seconds or so, and I want to play this little titty, maybe maybe uh, give it a song, and you could hear what it is actually all about. So take a minute, listen carefully, listen to the words. (laughs) 
Here it is. So I just wanted to share that because, you know, it, it's such a message to, you know, to us of the grand illusion, especially in the last days with the great deception that is coming upon the, the face of the whole earth. And I was there were lyrics. Don't believe what the radio is telling you. Don't believe what the newspapers are telling you. And this was, again, very long ago. This was written. And today we have uh, so much information coming at us. And what, yet, yet what I want to do, what we're doing today, is we're looking at that information, we're sifting through it, and we're, again, uh, sifting it through the biblical uh, prophetic words of God and coming up with an interpretation of what is real. You know, what is the truth? I was reading that today where Pilate was uh, getting ready to arrest Jesus, and uh, Jesus was talking about the truth. Whoever hears knows the truth, whoever is of the truth hears me kind of thing. And uh, Pilate, you know, what is truth? And, you know, Jesus is the truth, and there is truth, and we need to know that truth, and we are accepting that the truth is revealing the lie. And everything going on in this world right now, all the theater of this world right now, there's so much deception, there's so much lie, and the truth keeps exposing the lie. And the lie is trying to, you know, put down the truth, the Word of God. Of course it would, because it's the only light to shine. So... Uh, Pastor Jeff, back to you for just a moment. Your thoughts about, uh, you know, uh, what you would like to share at this point, more truth about the information that is going on in the world today. Well, I was just uh, teach, doing a Bible study teaching last night, and I, and I touched upon a couple of those those points, and one of them was deception. And, of course, I was explaining that Satan is the father of lies, you know, and or I would like to call him the prince of deception. He wants to deceive. He deceived Eve, and, and even from the beginning in the garden. But we have to know the truth. And, and and Satan is always contrary to what the Word of God says, and to Jesus. You know, uh, he's called the father of lies. Uh, Jesus says he's the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He also says we shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. But what I see pastors is the fact, like I said, at least what, when I talk to my congregation and, t- and talk to some other, like I said, friends, Christian friends I know, a few Christian pastors and so forth, they have become so indoctrinated by the things of the world. You know, Romans 12 tells us, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. 
we have become so consumed. Now, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm just saying a, a, a certain segment of of the world that they don't want to let the world go. I was thinking about Revelation, uh, what is it, three sixteen? Uh, Jesus said, uh, says because you have become lukewarm, you're not, you know you're not hot or cold. He would spew us out. Well, I think people are are tossed between two opinions. You know. They say that they're Christians, and I, I, I can't deny that if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, okay, you're a Christian. But however, you're still worldly, carnal, sensual, fleshly, whatever term you want to use because they don't want to let it go. I just recently saw uh, someone was sharing with me yesterday, you've got Christian pastors debating over the Super Bowl halftime show because they're, they're to me they're deceived because it's not even worthy of – discussion as it relates to this pastor who grew up listening to the hip-hop he he was trying to defend the the rappers that were there and to me there is no defense of it because i see with the spiritual eye and know the demonic and satanic stuff that was going on behind the scenes so i can't i i can't endorse that so i say how how is it that they're christians they're pastors but they don't see this so they defend it uh, as opposed to uh, denouncing it. So in that sense, I agree. You know, there is a lot of deception. We are we are like there's we're blinded and stuff uh, to that. So my prayer is that starting with the Christians first, you know, that the blinders would 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 be removed from their eyes so that they will be able to see because if if they're spiritually blind and they they don't have ears to hear, eyes to see, or heart to receive. I can I can teach all I want, but they're not gonna they're, they're not gonna see it. It's, it's like if something stopped up, you know, uh, the water's not gonna flow until you unstop it. So I'm you know I'm constantly praying. People in our congregation, I tell them they said, well you know they we got a call D and I a, a while back on uh, one of our members. I'm you know I just don't know what's gonna go on. I, I'm so scared. With the, with the things in the world, find out. Okay, explain a little bit more. Well, I was listening to CNN, I was watching MSNBC. Well, <laughs> you got to let that go because the, you know when I try to explain to them, they they don't receive the fact that they're being used by the enemy, Satan, and they're a tool of the globalists and Satan and everything, and they're they're just fulfilling playing a role in the part of what's to come. I'm not saying I, I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop teaching and preaching this, but it's very difficult because when you see and they don't they don't get it, you know they if they're blinded, they you know by what's going on they've been encompassed by by the worldly stuff, even though they go to church they pay their tithes they're 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 the Christians, but there's this great delusion and deception that you guys were talking about. So that's 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 my point on that. Okay, excellent points. And what I'd like to do with our remaining time um, is just if each one of you will kind of sum up everything you want to say, um, you know, a final word. And Brother Don, we'll start with you, something you'd like to share with the body of Christ, some final information, uh, anything prophetic from the word of the Lord. And we'll just kind of move quickly. We've got about, oh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes left, whatever. And uh, so, Don, please, how would you finalize this conversation today? Well, one thing I learned about the Christian walk is sometimes you just have to go through it, no matter what it is. 
You just have to go through it. And you have to take the hand of the Lord and go through it. Sometimes it can be tough, but I tell you what, uh, I wouldn't have it any other way because he's good. And what I find myself doing more and more is getting alone. I think Pastor Jeff said one time he wakes up every day at 4 o'clock in the morning. I had to laugh when he said that because that spirit gets me up about 4. And and, uh, when I say it gets me up, he wakes me up. And then he says, okay, come on, let's, let's go and pray. And uh, I sometimes, oh, man, I'll get up at four, and he'll say, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. <laughs> so yeah. I'll get up, and, and I'll pray at four and see what he has for me. He always has something. If I don't, if I don't do it, I just feel out of joint the rest of the day, and I'm thinking, man, I miss what he had. So getting along with the Lord, especially now, and developing that personal relationship and beg for his holiness and his righteousness and uh, ask him to help you to be obedient. Obedience is a big word now. Mm-hmm. So we reject the world and you obey the Holy Spirit. I think that's more important than anything, than anything and what's going on around you. And uh, like I say, we're going to have to go through it, but there, no, there's no fear. There's no fear. Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of the stuff that I espouse is like doom and gloom, but it's not really. It's just information. And I think we're supposed to know what's going on around us in the world. Sometimes uh, it's so that we don't worry, and sometimes it's so that we can pray for this or pray for that and maybe support others, strengthen others. Because the worst thing is, the worst thing is just being tossed to and fro and uh, wonder what's going to hit you next. It doesn't matter what's going to hit you next because Jesus is in the boat, right? He's in the boat. So so nothing really matters except obedience and holiness because he's holy. So that's the bottom line for me, I think, the key to success. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, Don, thank you uh, for sharing. Uh, Brian and Kathy, final words before we go. Well, I'll share. I'm going to try to articulate um, uh, something that um, I just got a glimpse of yesterday as we were coming down from the house we're um, at. We're coming down this mountain. It was just absolutely gorgeous day. And these huge, tall coconut trees. And in the background was the ocean, so blue. The sky was so blue. Beautiful rock wall that ancient rock wall that the Hawaiians had built a hundred years ago and just it was just picture perfect and we're driving and it you just get that and I'm just like wow this is so beautiful and then in a split second all of a sudden I was just realizing the state of the world and what people are going through and the chaos and the the pain that people are experiencing in many different ways and and God just showed me that this is how this is his mercy and this is the plan from the beginning when they fell in the garden and were kicked out of the garden and how God's plan to bring us back to him if we would just wake up and surrender to him and then how we have loved ones and friends or family members that are on the wrong path to hell either with drugs or or crime or or um you know addiction etc and sometimes we could 
tell them this is not the right way, but the only way they're going to hear it is they're going to have to hit their bottom and then perhaps, God willing, that they would surrender at that point. And so this is what's happening. The world is coming to its bottom. And this is God's plan, unfortunately. You know, this is how people are finally, the ones that are still able to wake up are going to wake up and surrender to him. And these things must come to pass because God wants all men to be saved. And he already knows, you know, people talk about his sovereignty and it's not, he's given us free will to choose him. He's not saying, I'm going to make this person into, you know, they're going to live, but they're, they're not going to believe in me. He knows our beginning and our end. He knows if we are going to choose him. He doesn't make and design us so we're a human being on this planet that won't choose him. And so I believe as we were talking about the deception and the illusion, but this, that scripture came to mind that he has given many strong delusion. God has given to many a strong delusion. And I believe that that, that is, he's referring to, I, I just got this, that, um, that those are the ones that, he knows that we'll never surrender to him. They had an opportunity, but he knows our beginning and our end. And to make it all this happen in a fast timeline, because he said that, you know, if it doesn't, then no one will survive. I think it's just part of his plan. And, and there's those that, like, um, I think Pastor Jeff was referring to in his Bible study that, you know, they're still listening to CNN, and but they're they're still trying to hear the truth and pay their tithes and go to church. And um, now I think those people are are still, you know, they are going to wake up. And we just have to continue to plant the seed in faith and water the seed and walk in love. But the good news is that God's plan will prevail, and and it's a glorious plan. And he wants all men to be saved. And, and um, so we shouldn't let ourselves get overwhelmed with the circumstances. But we do have a purpose, you know, for such a time as this. And we all need to walk in that individually and be obedient. Amen. Beautiful word, Brian. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so um, I think mine is, I, I just, I just would exhort all the listeners I mean. You, you kind of speak about this sometimes. Well, first of all, I just want to say how much, how grateful I am for all of you brothers. You know, it's like this, yeah. this is the best thing in the world to be able to come together and to be able to confirm what we see among each other and, and, and add depth to what, what, what each of us sees, you know, because I agree with everything, everything that I've heard today and, and, and listening to, to you and, and, and Pastor Jeff and Don, it's like, but I have a greater depth of understanding what God's already shown me. So I'm just really thankful for that. And then, um, you know, I, we're in a time where I know that you exhort your congregation a lot to like really get down into the word and really to understand it for themselves, not just hear it in a, in a sermon preached by a pastor, but to actually really get down and really make sure we understand what's being said. Because one of the ways, more subtle ways that maybe isn't paid attention to that much is the way that the, 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 uh, um, the enemy will deceive us through our own assumptions about what we're reading. And what I mean is that, you know, when, in my Bible studies, I use, I use three different versions of the Bible. I use a, an English standard version to kind of just get the broad view of things. 
I use the amplified version. Then I have a King James version, which is directly linked to uh, to Strong's, where I can actually drill down into the into the Hebrew and the Greek words, you know. And so for for several months now, I've been talking about Revelations 13:10, which in the English Standard Version says, "If anyone is to be taken captive into captivity, he goes." If anyone is to be slain with a sword, with a sword must he be slain. Here's a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. And so the way I was interpreting that was that, well, okay, there are people that are going to, you know, going to be used by God, but they're going to end up, they're going to be the so-called, uh, I don't know, I guess what they might call tribulation saints, the ones who are, who are, um, you know, made white, they're beheaded and everything else like that. But it's sort of like they're predestined to to be slain by the sword and to be taken into captivity and that by just submitting to that and going along with that that you know you know that's the endurance of the saints but then when i drilled down into the king james version here which is actually looking at the at the you know the actual grammar and the the, and the hebrew and greek definitions it says he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here's the patience and the faith of the saints. And so for me, it was just a real revelation of the fact that, that, you know, that goes along with what Jesus said to Peter, he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that people that get involved in, in directly involved in the conflicts and whatnot are going to be, um, um, <clears throat> you know, not saved, but, but what is the endurance of the saints? That's the thing that we really have to determine for ourselves. We know that, that Jesus said that he that endures to the end will be saved in Matthew 24. So what does that endurance mean for each and every one of us? And I can't speak and tell somebody else what God is telling them what to do. And it's what Don just said about obedience. It's like obedience is the key. That is probably the number one thing that really needs to be grasped and, and, and embraced um, by the body of Christ today, because obedience is the safest, safest place that we can be. Obedience is the counter to fear. Obedience is the counter to everything except for our own individual appointed day to die, which all of us have. And some of us, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I get to be one that gets to see, you know, hear that final trumpet sound and see Jesus coming in the clouds, you know, I'm, uh, but that may not be the case for me, you know. But, um, yeah, that's all I have. <clears throat> that's our hope. That's excellent. Very good. Uh, Pastor Jeff Bass, final words before we go. Well, again, I just want to also say thank you for allowing me to be a part of this uh, platform. I uh, I really appreciate you and hearing from, you know, everybody that that's on, you know, Brian and Kathy and Brother Dunn and the Saints. It's just a blessing to, uh, to as far as, uh, to share and to grow from and learn uh, from one another. Iron sharpens is iron. My final words is um, I would say not only to the body of Christ but everyone else, be encouraged. You know, and I think this it's, it's decision time in the valley, you know, between two opinions. Are we going to be like King Agrippa in Acts 25 where he said he was almost persuaded <laughs> to be a Christian, but or are we going to be like what I feel and believe Romans eight thirty eight and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, 
neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate, and I'll make it personal, me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I, you know, I think we 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 got to say either I'm in or I'm out. Either I believe or I don't, and I'm going to live it. And uh, that's where I'm at. I believe that as we go through the tribulation and everything that happens, two things. God is going to protect me, and God is going to provide for me. So I thank him for his protection, or I can look at it from he's going to shield me, or the other S word, if you don't want to say protection and provision, I look at it from he's my shield and he's my sustainer no matter what happens. And uh, I stand on the word believe, and I've heard that old saying, believe, the acronym for it, because Emmanuel lives, I expect victory every day. And Emmanuel, you know God is with us. So because God is with me, you know, uh, because he lives, I expect that I'm going to be victorious through Christ Jesus. That's my final word. That's a great final word. You know, every one of you uh, that joined the broadcast today, Patricia and I, we have fallen in love with you. We love your spirits. We love your hearts. There's such beautiful diversity in the body of Christ, the lung, the liver, the pancreas, the heart. They have different functions, but they all work together. And, uh, you know, I recognize the different functions of each one of your ministries, and you're brilliant, and God has blessed you, and he's blessed us with having you, um, you know, connect with us and we with you. And so may the love of God compel us all. We received good information today, um, and, and there's very real, and we don't need the news media. Step outside, walk around, see what's going on in the hearts and minds of people everywhere. We're meeting people everywhere we go uh, right now where we are. We're ministering. We're going to Bible studies. We wound up, we're going to be marrying a couple here. Uh, could happen any day now just because of an encounter last night. Uh, keep focused. Stay the course. Um, we believe there's a lot more coming down the pike. I think what's going on in Canada right now is critical. I think what's going on in uh, Europe is critical. I think what's happening around the world, it's all critical, and it deserves caution. Be sober, be wise, be vigilant. I know Jesus said that all along the ministry, and so uh, that's what we're going to do. And um, ladies and gentlemen, my brothers, Don, Jeff, Brian, my sister Kathy, we love you. You're loved. God bless you. And thank you for coming out and standing here uh, with me for the last hour and 34 minutes. Um, does anybody have a final, final anything that's kind of bubbling that they have to say or would like to say? No. Okay. We love you guys. Thank you love for you calling too. in. Amen. We'll see you. Shalom, everybody. All right, I'm going to say goodbye. Uh, Brother Don is out there. I'm going to say goodbye to Brother Jeff, Pastor Jeff Bass. I'm going to say goodbye to Brian and Kathy right now. And uh, I just want to give a closing word to everybody out there today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. I know an hour and a half uh, is, is a long time to be listening to anything in today's world. But thank you for doing it. And I want to give place to the Word of God because everything we talked about today is biblical. And when we look through the biblical lens at the signs of the times, we come up with an interpretation. And what is that interpretation? I cannot get out of my mind that the great tribulation that the Bible speaks about, a time of pressure, great pressure that's going to hit the whole world at the same time, is 1,260 days. 
That's 1,260 days. I want to ask you right now, the times of pressure that you've been in before, you know, how, how much could you have taken? I want to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. I want to be in that prepared place that God has prepared for his people. Because he says that he has a place prepared in the wilderness for three and a half years, 1,260 days, to nourish her, to nourish that bride, to nourish those people. I want to be there. And I also want to be diligent to make sure that I've utilized the resources that God has given to prepare for myself, my family, my church, people that we care about and love, and people that are going to be complete strangers that are going to need help along the way. And, uh, and when I put it in perspective, 1,260 days, sometimes our trials seem eternal just for five days, seven days. What are we going to be doing 200 days into the Great Tribulation where you can't buy or sell? I mean, all these environmental shifts, you won't be able to access Grocery stores, banks, insurance companies, pay mortgages. You know, what does 1,260 days of continual nonstop blasphemy, pressure, persecution look like? No wonder why so many people in the body of Christ are saying, man, there's no way God would subject us to that. We're going to be out of here in the pre-tribulational rapture. And I, like someone else said, I actually, I vote for that, please. Unless God has a plan to demonstrate his power and glory in a people in these last days that will be manifesting forth his glory and put such a hedge of protection, I believe that God has lighthouses all over the world that he's going to set up. I believe the EMP is coming. The lights out scenario is coming. And I believe that there are going to be people in gathering places, mostly small Uh, that are going to be doing just fine because God is going to set a defense around the glory upon those places where he's gathering together his people, the Goshens of our time. Nonetheless, 200 days, 500 days, 900 days, 1,100 days, 1,250 days, 10 days left to go, how are you going to do? He who endures to the end shall be saved. Nuclear bombs, radiation, high, sophisticated weapons of mass destruction, pestilence, plagues, the earth shaking, tornadoes, hurricanes, volcanoes, floods, you know, you name it, tsunamis, massive shifting of environment, atmospheric changes, everything shut down, broken, out of the ashes, rises a new world order. Full of blasphemy and hatred and fury against everything called God, Jesus Christ. And if you, I know right now some, we start thinking, man, I don't want to be here for that. But if we are, do we have the confidence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that say, you could put me into the fiery furnace, but I'm not bowing my knee. And then having the confidence, whether I live or die, to have Jesus show up in the middle of that demonstration, wherever we are, and the people of that moment falling on their faces 
like Nebuchadnezzar did in changing their mind about things. I don't know exactly how it's going to look, but I know that the Bible predicts that there will be people that are not going to bow their knee to the image of Baal. And that means they have already have a sentence of death upon them. Like the apostles, they had a sentence of death upon their lives. And you and I as Christians in the world in which we live, we need to be walking with our crosses firmly attached to our lives, dying to self, giving up the world's pleasure, living life, knowing that the earth is the Lord's, eating and drinking like everybody else on the planet, doing the best we can, saving souls, ministering the gospel, cleansing ourselves with the washing of the water of the word every day, staying in fellowship, reading the word of God, having wisdom, being baptized, regenerated, filled continually with the Holy Spirit of the living God, walking in the Spirit, living the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and getting together with the right people, like-minded people that are going to ride out this storm. You know, it would be pretty awesome to have a place of refuge and to have like-minded believers gathered together, unafraid, and yet wise, knowing these days are coming, and uh, getting through. You know, I'd rather probably be in the midst of a number of my brothers and sisters whom I love with all my heart and who love me with all their heart because we love Jesus with all of our heart to be with the people that I love and care about in these days and yet moving upon the earth as sovereign spirit of God would have us to move. But I'd rather be in the midst of people that um, they're not afraid. They are wise as serpents, gentle as doves, I want to see, I want to be alive and remaining at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I have to believe that if I do the right thing, if I follow the Lord, if I've confessed all sin and repented of all sin, and sin is not an issue, and the, and the fruit of the Spirit is developed in my life, and I'm undergoing an inward transformation and being conformed into the image of my Lord Jesus Christ, that that could be the greatest journey, the greatest pioneering experience in this moment of transition that's happening all over the world. I don't want to be afraid. I refuse to live in fear. And I don't want to walk a compromised life. I don't want to be, you know, having ears but not hearing or eyes to see but not seeing or a heart that doesn't understand. No, I want to know that this could be the greatest moment of my life and that I'm here on purpose, you're here on purpose, and that God has amazing things planned out for his kids, exploits. Those who know their God, said the book of Daniel, will be doing exploits. And the only thing I could get out of an exploit, it's amazing feats for the Lord. And that's where we need to be focused right now, serving the Lord, waiting patiently. Here is the patience of the saints. Stay the course today. Be enriched today. Love the Lord today. Sing in your heart, making melody to the Lord today. Be in sweet fellowship with the body of Christ today. And we'll leave tomorrow with the Lord. Prepare your victuals. We're getting ready to cross over into new territory. And it may be that we have to go through something before we enter in, and we certainly will. But you're going through with people that love the Lord. And if you meet somebody that really loves God, not in word but in deed, you're with the right people. And that's about all we have to say today. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow. We're broadcasting from Sarasota, Florida, at our dear friend's Robert and Christine's home. We're going to Bible studies. 
We're ministering to people. We're enjoying the 82-degree temperature. We're enjoying our friends, and we're taking it moment by moment. We're celebrating Patricia Joy's birthday. She's doing fabulous. I'm going to upload a picture to Facebook here in just a little bit. Uh, The queen, the four-star general, is enjoying the heck out of this moment. But we are going to need some rest, which means we are going to turn this machine off, and we will be going away for a few days. And I know tomorrow is Friday. If we come on the air, we'll have Monday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. Um, But I hope to see you tomorrow and having something to say. And again, today's conversation with our friends was brilliant. And so God bless, saints. We love you. And may the Lord bless you richly. Let me just quickly go over here to our comments. I want to make sure I'm not missing any valid comments that are important. Um, Dave's saying freezing rain here. Sorry to hear that. Darn it. All right, guys. We love you. God bless you. Shalom. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing.